Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this July the 10th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And what we're taking a look at are readings for the following Sunday, the seventh Sunday after Pentecost, July the 16th, 2023. Now, one of the items that is on that Sunday is called the introit. This is a set of readings normally from the Psalms that sets the stage for the readings that we have. This introit begins, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. That, that shows the brief time that an individual is in the kingdom of God and as a flower of the field. But, The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Now, we've talked a lot about what that word fear means. It doesn't mean to be afraid of God, but it means to be aware as a child is of parents, that a child may love the parents and the parents may love the child, But boy, it sure makes a difference as to how things are run in a household. Uh, For example, the example I'd like to give is the following. Parents, what kind of parent do you want if you are a child? Do you want a parent who loves you because of what you do? That's unfortunate because parents do not normally love a child that they have because of what the child does. In fact, the child has done nothing to have that love of the parent except be born in the family. That's not something that the child worked on being begotten. It is a gift from God. And so a parent loves a child not because of what they do, but because of who they are. What does that mean? It means that they have been begotten in the family or maybe even adopted, and a parent therefore loves that child regardless of the behavior of that child. At times, the child will fear the parents because of the discipline that a parent should bring upon a child to train a child up in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, to remember to do his commandments because the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So imagine if you were a child in a family and you got the impression the parents love you only because of your behavior. Well, 
you'll have all kinds of problems. Some children will think that other children are more loved than you are because of the way that the parent treats the child. But the fact of the matter is, a parent properly loves a child because who they are, not because of what they do. And therefore, even when the child needs to be disciplined, that parent still loves that child. It's just that the discipline is necessary to train the child up in the way of the Lord. So this leads us to our readings. The first one is from Isaiah 55. Then we have Romans 8 and then Matthew 13. Now, Matthew 13 is all about that parable about Jesus talking about a sower went out to sow and some seeds fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground. They did not have much soil. Other seeds fell among thorns. Other seeds fell on good soil. Now, what Jesus is doing here, because it is impossible to understand God's language, God uses the language of human beings, mainly by metaphors, by similes, by examples, to try and help them understand how God thinks. And what Jesus is saying in this parable is that the word of God comes to people. And if, for example, the seeds fall along the path and the birds come and devour them, Jesus explains that as saying, well, they hear the word of the kingdom, but they don't understand it. And the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. Now, example there would be Adam and Eve. God had sown in their heart his love for them. He talked with them, but he told them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the devil came and snatched that away. The devil tempted and deceived Eve by telling her that she would become like God if she would eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So she did and gave some to Adam who was with her. This is what Jesus is talking about, of those who hear the word of God, but in not understanding it, they don't believe it's the word of God. This happens in many of our temptations. Then there was that seed sown on rocky ground. Well, this is a person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. And that's because he's either not reading his Bible, not coming to church, not being involved in a Bible class, or even if he does, he thinks it's boring. He has no root in himself. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. You see, having no root in the word means 
that you don't understand what God is doing. If you have root in the word, you understand his promises are coming true, even in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your grief, particularly in light of persecution because you stand for the word of God. But a person who has no root does not believe that. And therefore, any kind of persecution, guess what? Well, he falls away from the word. Then those who are sown among thorns, these are those who hear the word, but then the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. In, in other words, what is more important than heavenly things are earthly things. And people get upset when God doesn't give them the earthly things they desire. And therefore they are unfruitful in giving thanks to God for everything. And finally, there are those who are good soil. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He believes the word of God. He indeed bears fruit and yields a hundredfold, another 60, and another 30. What does that mean? Well, if we remember when you are baptized or come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit gives you wonderful insight into what is the will of God for your life. And as you follow that will of God, these are not just considered good works, but they are called fruit of faith. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is the plant, you are on the branches, and you bear fruit because you are part of that plant. That's what is mean by Jesus and that parable. He uses, therefore, items that farmers can understand in human beings about how during the farming, some grows, some does not grow. For example, in our uh, trips to central Illinois and the congregations we serve, we went by many a field that had not enough water yet, and the corn wasn't as high as other fields. In fact, there was a church that on its sign, it said, Jesus, please send us water. Well, guess what? Rain did occur, and afterwards the sign read, thank you, Jesus, for the rain. Now, that is an idea of Christians understanding that God has a reason why no rain was being sent and now rain was being sent. That's because God is beneficial. He is merciful. He is gracious. So that's what Matthew is talking about. We then go to Romans chapter 8. Paul is again talking about a distinction between law and gospel. 
What does that mean? You can either live under the law, that's living with parents who only love you because of what you do, or you can live under the gospel, and that's with living with parents who love you because of who you are, namely, you are begotten by the parents. You are their children, so they love you spontaneously. So Paul begins, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Now, if you take a look back at Romans chapter 7, there's a distinction between the old Adam with which you are born, which is sinful in nature, in contrast to the new man which you are given when you become converted. It's an answer to the prayer of David. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Therefore, you really are a debtor not to the flesh, to the old Adam. For, verse 13 says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's because you're living for yourself. You're attempting to do good works to get on the right side of God. And you can't do that. There are no good work that you can do to offset your sin. It is impossible for you to get rid of the consequences of your sin. And, and that's why the gift of forgiveness is so important. So when you live according to the flesh, you live trying to get rid of your own sins by your good works. But God cannot be bought off. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is talking about sanctification. Sanctification is what occurs after you have been justified by Christ and you have faith in Jesus Christ. You so love Jesus that you desire to follow his will. And in that way, you put to death the deeds of the body by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you will live. Verse 14 is really important. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, this is why you need a pastor who is involved in not only knowing the original languages, but also the culture of that day. Sons of God were those who got the inheritance. And what Jesus says is sons of God represent just not males, but also females. In other words, if you are a man or a woman and you believe in Jesus Christ, you are considered a son of God. Now, how did that occur? Because Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, adopted you. In other words, verse 15 says, 
you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry. And then the next two words are Abba, Father. Now, Abba is the Aramaic word for the word father. It's more like daddy, like what a little girl would say when her father comes home from work. Daddy, daddy, we're glad to see you. The word father is also a proper explanation, and that's why the Greek word for father, Paul writes right after he says the word Abba. To have God as your Abba, as your father, is important. We talked about recently a theologian, I believe from Germany, was against the Lord's Prayer. How can you be against the Lord's Prayer? Because he said it starts with our Father who art in heaven. And he said that's not good because there are a lot of children who have fathers that were not good fathers. They cared for their children insofar as they were obedient and the children could hardly wait until they leave the family because they were under that slavery of obedience and they were not loved for who they were. Well, that's what happens when God becomes your father. In confirmation, I would often teach children. I remember two males that were children in the youth confirmation class and they had terrible fathers. One was an alcoholic, uh, the other one beat the wife and ended up in divorce. And so, obviously, when you begin the prayer, Our Father, they would have these memories. Well, what you would say to these children is, when we pray the Our Father, we're praying something different than when you think. For example, I would often ask these children, okay, if you had a better father, what would you want them to be like? And you would listen to the children as they express the kind of father they wish they would have. When they were done, I would then say, well, guess what? You just described the father that you're praying to in the Lord's Prayer. This is a father who forgives your sins, who keeps you from the evil one, who gives you daily bread. This is the father you wish you had, but you do have because he is God the Father. And how did you become his child? Well, you were adopted by God the Father. Verse 16 of Romans 8 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What does that mean? Well, when you have been baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you begin to believe his promises. 
and his promises. For example, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And many other promises, particularly in Romans 6, about baptism. That in baptism, you are crucified with Christ. You are buried with Christ. You are risen from the dead with Christ. And you're even ascended into heaven as part of the body of Christ where he therefore takes your prayers before the Father and gives you the answers that are best for your life. This is how the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, if you're a child, what does that mean? Well, it continues in verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs is H-E-I-R-S from the word inheritance. You see, you receive the last will and testimony of Jesus that you will be taken as a son of God, taken into heaven and live there eternally because you are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And then it continues, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What does that mean? Well, you cannot be a Christian today and make it clear you're a Christian without persecution. Look at how many people do not believe the words of God, particularly in the area of morality. They want to make up their own morality. They want to do what they want. They want to become like God. Remember, every sin you do, according to the Ten Commandments, is always a breaking of the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. When you sin, you are saying, I am God. I'm going to do what I want to do. And therefore, you often will leave the church. Or you may leave the church because you may be going to a church, but it's not preaching properly the law, and the gospel. You you hear, well, you can do anything if you're a Christian, and the law is often not applied. Why is it important to hear the law? Well, can you imagine that you would never go out to eat at a restaurant because you never feel hungry? No, I, I, I remember my favorite restaurants are Chinese buffets, and when we would make arrangements to go there, boy, you would be looking forward to going to the buffet and having all the shrimp you wanted and all the garlic chicken and all the french fries. Boy, it'd be food after food. But if you're not hungry, you wouldn't want any of that. that that's a real illness that you lose your hunger. And losing that hunger means you cannot feed your body 
and your body will not be strengthened. Well, this is true about the Word of God. There are those, as we've seen from the parable of Jesus in Matthew 13, that some who hear the Word do not really believe it. And therefore, when they suffer persecution, they get angry with God. Why are you doing this to me? What did I do to deserve this? Well, folks, you're part of the kingdom of God, which is also part of the kingdom of earth in the sense of the devil's kingdom. Expect persecution. In fact, blessed are they who are persecuted for my name's sake. That's part of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Why are you blessed? Because then you find comfort, not in your works, but in the works of Jesus Christ, who died so that you will never really die, and who lives so you will live eternally. This is the Christian faith, and it's not taught by any other religion in the world, namely that God comes and dies even for your enemies. That's what Jesus did. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. So there's a difference. In human beings, you either live under the law, which means you live under the impression that what you do will make a difference whether you're saved or not. And of course, that's untrue because there's nothing you can do to offset your sin. But people believe there is, and they think that they're better than other people. And that is part of their loss, because no one is better than anyone else. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We often confess that we sin by thought, word, and deed, and that we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. But we have a God who does not give us what we deserve, but gives us instead the forgiveness of sins and heaven as our home. So Romans 8, very clear. Do not live under the law. Remember, you live under the wisdom, the grace, and mercy of God. So heaven is your home. We'll take a look at a hymn tomorrow dealing with that subject. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.